Welcome to Random Gaming Talk, it's Entertainment Talks podcast for video games. I'm your host Matthew, joining me today, my co-host is Roberts. How is it going? It's going good, how's it going with you? Good, yeah, good. I just had uh, a particular experience that I'll talk about in a minute. Um, but uh, before we get to all that, uh, what have you what, what have you been playing? Well, I'm back on uh, Yakuza Like a Dragon. Unfortunately, we're in that really, 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 totally not fun part of grinding the crap out of random stuff just to get a level high enough so you can progress past the story boss fight. Uh-huh. Um, so I'm just doing some random exploring in that. Uh, don't really have anything else um, that I can talk about, really. I started a little bit of uh, the Games with Gold, the Boulder one. Um, it looks like it could be like a little bit of a laugh, but nothing like super serious gameplay gameplay why it kind of reminds me of super monkey ball if you ever played that game um a little bit like that um the art style is very heavily inspired by monty python with a little uh medieval style posters going into animation you know they you could tell they watched a lot of flying circus before they made that game Hmm. okay cool um how far do you think you've got left in yakuza Honestly, I don't know. I'm in chapter 12, um, and I'm in a really tough boss fight. Uh, so I've had to... Fortunately, the boss fight that you have, there's a big save point before you even get to that point, so you can back out of it really easily. Okay. Um, but I've been grinding like four or five levels, um, and then I'll try it again, and then I'm to the point now to where I can make it about halfway through the fight before I just get the ever-living hell stomped out of me. Oh. Um it's just one of those things I'm just going to have to find time to, um, you know, have a couple hours where I can just grind out stupid stuff and then try again and then just keep going. It might actually get to the point where I just hit F it and quit, which I would hate to do because mm-hmm. i got to figure that I'm kind of close to the end. But I hate that pointless grind in GRPGs. That's why I try to avoid them mm-hmm. generally. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of agree. That's that's one of the reasons I stepped away from Final Fantasy VII. Plus, Final Fantasy VII, the the remake on PS4, talking about, just had I just couldn't get past the uh, weird stakes in the game and the way that the characters were reacting to the things that were happening. It was very very strange. And uh, yeah, anyway, so. Um, so I've just had quite an experience. I mean, I'll talk about the game that I've finished and the game that I'm playing at the moment. I just tried out, uh, COD Modern Warfare, the game that I have been playing quite a lot for about a year and a half or so, almost two years. Um, I plugged in a mouse and keyboard to my PS4 and just spent about an hour or so, roughly about an hour, uh, binding keys to different things because you have to set that up, uh, which is a good idea to have that set up yourself so that you know what you want to put on different keys it is very 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 strange it almost made the game feel foreign to me which is weird because obviously i've been playing it regularly for over a year and you know my my muscle memory with that game obviously with controller is like the best it can probably be um sure i make mistakes in the game and stuff but i'm talking about like knowing what to press and what i'm going to do and that sort of thing um but uh, I came to the kind of conclusion that the, the keyboard I was using is alright. Uh, it's a little bit clunky, but it's alright. 
Um, I was just kind of going in with a rough like play of uh, playthrough for it, and um, basically I got my Mass Effect Three game case out, got my um, uh, mouse pad that I use here. It's like a red, plain red one sort of thing. Um, and then used my mouse that I've got, which I use with this laptop, the one that I'm using right now, which is quite small. Um, so I'm going to get, basically, I I'm not going to replace this mouse. I'm basically going to keep this mouse on this laptop, because I'm used to having it on it, and the same mouse pad and stuff, which is, is perfectly fine to be using on this laptop, because I'm used to that. But I definitely need a bigger mouse, because obviously I'm using the middle scroller thing. Uh, using the right click and the left click to do things like reload, aim down sights, shoot, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but my my hand, even though I've got quite small hands, my hands were still kind of cramped up because of how close those buttons are. So I, I definitely need a bigger mouse and probably just a new one anyway. And then get basically a, a new um, uh, mouse pad itself just so that obviously where I'm actually moving the mouse that that will be hopefully a lot smoother and then probably put something better for it to, to lean it on because uh, I basically got my um, foldable chair out I put my keyboard and the mouse on the bed I got the Mass Effect great uh, Mass Effect 3 game case put that on the bed put the mouse pad on top of that so obviously it was a little bit wobbly but it was literally just to get a taste to see what it was like and to just kind of move around and test things out in the game um, I mean, the ideal thing would probably... I mean, I'm fine with sitting in that chair to, to play it. Um, maybe to get some kind of, like... Um, like, tray sort of thing in front of me. So I can kind of lay the mouse and keyboard out on, like, a flat surface in front of me. Because I can't really play using the mouse it on the bed. E even though the thing that I'm leaning the mouse on is flat. Because the bed isn't, it's obviously going to wobble anyway. Um, so I need to just get that on like a flat surface and use it use it normally. Uh, I can't do it in this because obviously I've got this laptop on the desk and stuff, so which is uh, great for doing all the all the podcasts and that. But I can't use the PS4 in here because that would just be way too much hassle and stuff. Because uh, I have got like a, um, uh, a monitor I could use, which I could put in here and stuff, but then do I really want to unplug my whole PS4, bring it in here, set it up with the monitor, mouse and keyboard, and yeah, it would just be, it would be kind of ridiculous. Obviously, if I had two PS4s or something like that, that would be easier, but um, I think if I just get some sort of tray or whatever, uh, something that's just flat and stable, um, I can get a lot more comfortable with it. But um, obviously, the, the advantage is supposed to be, you, you know, when you're playing a mouse and keyboard, is supposed to be a precision aiming, which is very important in something like Call of Duty. It's just going from things like using two analog sticks to move around and aim, to going to like the WASD for uh, uh, moving around, and then pressing things like Q to slide. That's what I chose, and then like the space bar for reloading, and then using like the one and two numbers for like changing weapons and and that kind of stuff it's just it's very very different and it's going to take me a bit of time to get used to i'm e either later tonight um or tomorrow i'm going to try my first public game um and we'll see how how that goes uh i did because uh, i did actually record this whole process by the way and it's going to be on uh, in parts because twitch kept sort of breaking um, it's going to be on YouTube. So if you want to, if you want to actually watch me go through this process, you can actually do that as well, of just binding different keys to different things. But that was, uh, it was interesting anyway. But I, I, I knew that okay, this is going to be 
playing the game that I'm used to, but just very, very differently, and I'm not going to get used to that straight away. So, um, what do you what do you think of all that? Yeah, I mean, the muscle memory is definitely a thing. You just get used to those controls mm-hmm. and the physical positioning. Um, I'm curious, is there a lot of keys to bind, or is it limited to the number of buttons that would be on a controller? Um, well, I started, so I went through the menus one by one. It's like movement, and then it's like weapons and stuff, and then like kill streaks and all that sort of stuff. There, there is a bunch of stuff that's Warzone specific, like using your parachute and using a tank, which is basically never going to happen. Um, but there's essentially uh, movement, so for, you know, up, down, left, and right for movement. Obviously, your like aiming is is with the mouse, so that's all kind of automatic anyway. Um, then there's things like you know crouching, sliding, and going prone. I set that all to pretty much the same key because I'm used to that being on the circle button. I set that to Q. Uh, jumping and climbing and stuff, which in of itself isn't that great on COD, but I set that to like E, and then R I set to. I can't remember what I said R2, which isn't a good thing. Uh, reload, I put to space. D- just so that, like, when I've got my thumb next to my um, finger, I can just kind of whack the keyboard. Or not whack the keyboard, but, like, tap the keyboard to, to reload. And then I set things... Because you've got things like lethal grenade, tactical grenade. And then you've got things like uh, using the equipment, which I set to things like X. Um, and then it's like, which equipment do you want to use? The first or the second one? So you've got to bind that to everything. So it's sort of, it's sort of like... Deleting all the controls in the game and setting them all up again in in a way, but yeah, there's the to answer your actual question, yeah, there is there is quite a few things. Um, somehow I ended up putting it so that uh, I think it was R or, or one, and the scroll downwards because you can do like specific things with that. I ended up putting to the same thing, which I don't know how I did. Um, but it it was even things like. Setting the button for the pause menu was something I needed to to set up and everything, which I put as one of the uh, one of the F keys. Um, I, I and I'm not intending to you know keys that are a bit further out from D, so things like J, M, K, and all that. Like there's just they're just kind of too far away to you know move my hand over to do stuff for. So, um, but I did because I watched a video of like somebody actually setting up using a mouse and keyboard with it is very very simple you just simply plug them in you click on the game and then it like lets you take over from there but uh, i did see a bunch of videos on youtube about like the best key bindings and things like that and obviously i do play with certain people that use pc so they'll maybe be able to give me some tips and stuff obviously it's got to be a bit more personal preference like what do i want to like where do i want to put certain keys and and, and get used to them um but it's not something i'm going to give up on anytime soon i'm excited to sort of go through all of this it's just it's just a case of literally going from okay i've got two hands on this controller and i can do everything and then going from okay my left hand's on basically the keyboard and my right hand's on this mouse so i'm now using two different devices so yeah but uh i'm i'm, I'm looking forward to trying a, a public match it's just going to be a case of getting used to it i think so um but it was it was a cool experience it was uh pretty good and obviously if i if i feel like okay that button's not working for that thing i'll change it to something else then I'll probably just do that as I uh, as I go through. Um, so yeah, uh, any other questions or anything? Uh, not off the top of my head. So okay, cool. Uh, but I'll update next week, let you all know how it goes and stuff, and um, I'll go from there with all that. So 
Uh, game I finished. I can't remember if last week I said that I started it, but I finished it anyway. Uh, Mafia 1. Do you remember me saying that I started it? Yeah, you were talking about doing the remaster for that. Yeah, yeah, with the with the first one, because they remastered all three games. Uh, I've already played and finished the second one uh, a few years ago, so I didn't intend to do that. And Mafia 3, uh, the remaster wasn't going to fix the problem with that game, which was the repetitive missions. But uh, Mafia 1 was the only one that I hadn't played, so I just basically just jumped in that, played it, and then sent the game back. Um, Very, very good. Really, really good experience. And I think what I said with last week's episode, and I probably said it on Geek Town as well, once I got used to the aiming in that game, things really started to kind of click into place. And with the driving as well, and how different that kind of feels and stuff... Because uh, I, w- I was kind of looking for, you know, an ob- open world third person game like that, like a Cyberpunk or a GTA or something, or, or Red Dead. I have a bit, I had a bit of an itch for that, uh, and that scratched it pretty well. I'm still wanting to play an open world game like that again, because I really, really love those types of games. But really, really good. I- I'd really recommend it. I'm probably not going to review it. Uh, sorry, I'm probably not going to review it. But uh, it's definitely something I would say you you probably shouldn't skip and all that. Um, it's available on, I think, PS4, um, Xbox and, and PC and stuff. Uh, but, no, very, very good experience. Not Nothing like, okay, mind-blowing, incredible game, but the story was pretty good, narrative was pretty good, the characters were kind of interesting. Uh, gameplay, like I said, once I got used to it, was very, very good. Um, the game had a particular kind of challenge to it as well, because once you were going through certain missions, and, uh, like, you were going through rounds of enemies but going forward kind of thing um the game at certain points gives you ammo boxes and at certain point gives you uh like health boxes and stuff to to go and visit and restock up and everything so it's sort of like trying to the challenge of trying to survive until you get to the next box and they were never too far spread you know far apart or whatever uh it was always a kind of reasonable amount of time before you found your next like health box and um like your next ammo crate and things like that. So it was uh, very, very good. So, yeah. Uh, have you played any of those three Mafia games? I can't remember if I asked you. Uh, you didn't, but I don't think I have. It's I I know of the games, but for the life of me, I'm 70-ish percent sure that I've never played them. Okay, okay. Yeah, I'd, I'd recommend the first and the second one, but the third one just... It's a shame because that story was pretty good with the third game, but the missions were like the same thing 30 plus times. Um, which I don't really know how you do that when you go through the first and second game, which are kind of like, okay, a bit of driving, a bit of shooting, a bit of stealth, and then things are kind of mixed up and stuff. Uh, and then the second game is kind of almost as good as the first. Uh, in fact, I don't know which one I would say is better out the first and the second game. And I did really, really enjoy the second game, so... That was good as well. Um, started Immortals Phoenix Rising or Ubisoft's Breath of the Wild. Uh, I did a Twitch stream the other day. I think it was around about two hours or so. Um, it basically is, you know, that meme that you mentioned last week of like, "Hey, this is my homework," or "Don't what, what's the what's the phrase again?" Like, "Don't copy my." Can homework. I copy your homework? Yeah, just don't make it obvious. Yeah, yeah. Th- this is a case of can I copy your homework? Sorry, I made it look obvious. <laughs> Which isn't, I, I'll, I'll stress, that isn't a bad thing. That really isn't a bad thing. <clears throat> this was basically a, like, almost Greek version of uh, Breath of the Wild. Uh, it's got the same climbing mechanics, pretty much. It's almost got the same, like, battle system and stuff. 
Uh, I unlocked the the wings that you can get, which is sort of like Link's uh, parachute-esque sort of thing. Um, you can like mount um, an animal to to you know use them for traversal and stuff. So that's almost pretty much the same. Um, it really, really is Ubisoft's Breath of the Wild. If if you were to put a sentence as to how to describe this game, it would be that. Now I think Breath of the Wild's a great game. I think it's still probably the best game on the Switch. Um, but yeah, like I said, that's not. It, it doesn't like. I mean, it copies a lot of its gameplay and stuff. But obviously, it's different with the story because it's about these uh, gods and all the sort of stuff. Don't forget, the game was going to be called what was it? God Gods and Monsters before the the name got changed so it's very much like that yeah it's it's very very much that in terms of the story and it's basically about freeing these different gods and stuff and getting them to help you in a fight um you know for the big bad at at the end kind of thing and it it, in a way it does have that sort of ubisoft climb the tower activate the area clear the area um i watched skill ops uh video on it actually i don't think i finished the video but I, i very much agree with what he said in like the first half of the video it's sort of like if you took Assassin's Creed Valhalla and shrunk the amount of question marks and quest pop-ups that come up by about 90%, um, which I think is a very good thing, because he, he said in his video I think it took him 70 hours to finish Assassin's Creed, which is way too long, and it took him 25 hours to finish Immortals Phoenix Rising, so that gives you a bit of perspective on kind of what that's like. And I very much agree with that. Like, there's things you can go and check out and stuff, enemies you can go and kill, but it does treat the game a lot more linear as well. Like, I've just kind of just been going from quest to quest and still feel like I've been uh, achieving quite a lot or unlocking quite a lot, but I'm enjoying it a lot. It's, it's very, very good, and uh, it's good at what it does. What it does is kind of copying Breath of the Wild, but it's very, very good at what it does. And uh, one other thing as well, the um, they're called shrines in Breath of the Wild. I can't remember what they're called in uh, Immortals. Um, these areas that you go into that are sort of like um, like puzzles and stuff, really good, really well kind of put together and kind of challenge you in in certain ways and things. So I'm I'm enjoying my time with it a lot at the moment. The some of the sort of like I don't know some of the plot and some of the writing's a bit sort of eh okay whatever like. It's a bit, um, I think the phrase is cookie cutter, so it's, it's very kind of simple, but you know, you, at, once you get sort of an hour or two into the game, or even maybe less than that, you, you kind of know what you're in for, and if you accept the game for what it is, which isn't a bad thing at all, you'll be fine, I think, for the rest of the game, which is basically where I'm kind of sitting with it as well, so... Uh, but yeah, having a good time with that. So I guess I'm having a good time with all the games I'm kind of playing at the moment. Um, upon me uh, returning the Mafia games, um, I have, have been sent uh, Sekiro uh, Shadows Die twice as well, but I haven't started that at the moment. So it's just cause, because I did defeat about five or six mini-bosses with that game, so I want to just kind of go back and give it another try. And, and out of all the... Uh, from software games and stuff it's by far the most approachable so i kind of just i don't know I, I i feel like giving that another chance so we shall see anyway that's a bunch of stuff that what we've been playing uh let's get into some housekeeping and then we'll get into some news into some news sorry see if that in a minute hi there and thanks very much for listening today i'm here to tell you about our two different affiliate links the first of which is our Amazon affiliate link that's where you can shop on Amazon we can get a small cut of what you spend but it won't cost you anything extra so whether you're 
getting a gift for somebody else or treating yourself or maybe both depending on the occasion we can get a small cut of what you spend but it won't cost you extra you can find the link to our amazon affiliate link in your show notes the second affiliate link for today is our Kualu affiliate link if you want to get started with a website and a domain name of your choice you can simply sign up with Kualu using the link in the show notes they also have a live chat support system that's in the bottom right hand corner as well so if you need help with getting set up Kualu will be able to help you with that as well the links for both of these can be found in your show notes for Kualu and the Amazon affiliate link If you would like to get the ad-free versions of Entertainment Talks podcast and support us along the way, you can simply sign up over on our Patreon page. You can sign up either as a creator or as a patron. There's no difference there for the time being. And you can get your ad-free podcasts over there. It's a great way to support us on Entertainment Talk and to get rid of the ads and get your ad-free podcasts. You can also support Entertainment Talk on Patreon at the $3 level tier. This gets you a chance to request a review from us of your favourite TV show or film. But it's one per month. So one TV show or film review per month. It's up to you which one you want to choose. We will watch a few episodes of the TV show that you choose. Or of course if it's a film we'll just watch that film And we will review that for you on that month. And then when it gets to the next month, you can request a new TV show or a film review of your choice. That's $3 level tier. That does also, of course, include your ad-free podcasts for the month as well. Thank you very much for listening and enjoy the rest of the show. Okay, so recently on Entertainment Talk, let me just scroll down here. I got the podcast for... um, what have we got here? I did, did an episode of Analyzing Television, the 12th episode, uh, talking about BritBox, which basically, if you're in the UK, half of what BritBox offers, you can get for free uh, because of the all four programs. And if you're in the US, it's a bit more useful, but they don't. They just are severely lacking originals about a year later. Um, as somebody living in the US, have you heard of BritBox at all or taken any interest or... Um, not heard of it one bit. Not heard of it. Oh, okay. So they're not. They've, that kind of tells me they're not doing a good enough job of advertising it to the audience that sort of needs it more, <laughs> really. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a, just a bit of a weird streaming service in a way. So, <clears throat> uh, on completely other different things, and uh, not a podcast, but a short story. Uh, on Sunday night, I decided to finally sit down and write a short story that I've been brainstorming for about two weeks. It's called The Closet. It's a short uh, zombie slash horror story. Um, it's basically the length of like a cold open for a TV show. It's just like a kind of uh, extended sort of one scene and everything. Um, it was very, very good to get that out onto... Well, not uh, not out onto paper, but get it written and uh get it out and stuff and that was uh, a really really good experience uh, i did send it to you did you get a chance to read it yeah i did get a chance to read it um it's it's got potential mm. i mean it's obviously you know you're not a professional writer so no. i wasn't judging it based on that but i could tell that that's the subject that you really care about and you uh definitely could make that into something a little bit bigger if you wanted to mm. yeah yeah, I've had some feedback and stuff. Um, a couple of people have said, like, oh, is at the end we kind of want to see more. And I'm like, shit, <laughs> I need to figure out if the story continues. I do put the end at the end of it, and that was kind of what I intended for it. But um, I don't know. We'll see what happens one day. I, I do have the intentions to possibly write something else. 
Uh, I haven't brainstormed anything yet because I've kind of just put this thing out there. But um, yeah, it is a it is a genre that I really really care about, and I just wanted to kind of do something of my own for it and just kind of write my own story. Um, and yeah, as I kind of noted at the end of the the um story itself, that is the first thing I've ever written, so it's probably gonna have some rough edges and things like that. So um, so yeah, there you go. Uh, but you can read that. There is a podcast with it, by the way. You will see an audio file podcast with it. Do not listen to that before you read it. Because in that, that's basically me going through my decision makings for the story and all that kind of stuff. Which you don't want to hear because it will spoil the actual story. So just read that first and then listen to the podcast if you want to do that. Uh, i got a podcast for a Zoe's Extraordinary playlist. That's for the first episode of season two i will still be breaking that down by five episodes so the next one will be in a few weeks time for episode five but uh incredible episode of the premiere for that second season so that was really really good uh we've got our cw superheroes uh, superman and lois podcast so you can check those out if you'd like to as well uh becoming eisenberg for breaking bad uh the newest episode last week was for season two episode 12 uh we'll be covering the season finale for season two uh tomorrow so look out for that as well um funny monsters which has also uh just started on uh, wednesdays as well it's the monsters inc sequel series been really really enjoying that that's had three episodes so far uh, the third episode was really really good thoroughly enjoyed that and you can check that out as well on wednesday so even though breaking bad podcast finished tomorrow uh, monsters at work will still be continuing on Wednesday for that. Gaming talk last week. We talked about FIFA 22. And the hyper motion technology. Or whatever it was called. Uh, Assassin's Creed Infinity. And also talking about Sony's newest state of play. Uh, what were the Last of Us podcast. Talking about Lev. New character for the Last of Us Part 2. And doing a character spotlight. Uh, did a podcast talking about why the DCEU is failing. And the MCU is succeeding. Just in my opinion. And kind of the past, present and future. Of those two franchises. Uh, did a podcast, my thoughts on England losing the final in the Euros to Italy. And that is everything we've been doing recently on entertainmenttalk.org and on podcast platforms. Let's get into some news. Um, something I kind of wanted to tie into, well, not not a news story for this week. I guess something for last week, which I kind of I I, I thought of something to add to the to the discussion that we had. Uh, so we talked. It was either last week or the one before about this Death Stranding uh, director's cut, and we've also had um, uh, the the news about what was it, the Ghost of Tsushima director's cut as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a it's a term that seems to be getting thrown around a little bit more now with games, um, mainly more with Sony's games than anybody else's. Um, I kind of wanted to just make now it doesn't matter if I get this prediction right or not, but I think this is just going to be something that happens. I think directors' cuts will become more of a regular thing. I think it will be used as a new term for like a remaster or a remake. It's more of a kind of in line with what I'd say is a remake because remake is where you have changes and remaster is where you just take the game improve it like controls and gameplay but keep fundamentally the same game so to me the idea of a director's cut if you're going to add or take away things that is more of a remake at least to me uh so we talked about that with death stranding 
and with Ghost of Tsushima. Uh, I think that Last of Us 1, the remake that's going to be happening, uh, I think that will be called Last of Us Director's Cut or something. And it will probably feature some new bits and pieces and things. Um, but there's been some discussion and some rumours that they're going to kind of mocap Bella Ramsey and Pedro Pascal as Joel and Ellie. Uh, I don't think that part is going to particularly happen. Uh, I understood the discussion around that and why that was the case. Because if, so- if Sony tries to tie into you know, season one of The Last of Us TV show on HBO... It would somewhat make sense marketing-wise when you re-release or remaster or whatever uh, the first game to tie that in to say, hey, did you enjoy the... Either like, hey, did you enjoy this game? There's a TV show. Or, hey, did you enjoy this TV show? There's a game that both kind of tie together and stuff. But I I think they'll still keep um, uh, Ashley Johnson and uh, and Troy Baker as... uh, in in there i think because i still think that they'll keep the core game i just think it will be last of us one for ps5 and i think it will just be you know a few different things here and there Uh, and one thing that's been discussed in a few last of us groups that i'm in is that they'll take certain gameplay ideas from last of us 2 and put them in the first one that makes sense again that is more remake than remaster but i don't think that they'll change the actors uh what do you think that they might do with that and do you think it will be called director's cut uh, hard telling with the with the inevitable one for Ghost of Tsushima. It would be it would make more sense to call it Reforged because of all the crafting you do in there, um, especially with uh, swords and weapons like that. With uh, redoing the mocapping for Pedro Pascal, that just reminded me of when they redid Spider Man for the Spider Man game on the PS4. Mm. Yeah. So technically, nothing's out of bounds for them to do. It honestly just depends on the contracts and how much money's involved and things like that. So, mm. yeah. I, I, also, timing-wise, I don't know how that would work because they are now not like right now. I don't know, but they are actually filming uh, the first season. There was a photo from uh, Gabriel Luna. Uh, they did the, the the car scene with uh, Sarah, Joel, and Ellie. I did a podcast on it a few weeks ago and just talked about what's probably happening there. Um, so I, I don't, cause I, I'm assuming Naughty Dog is kind of working on this Last of Us 1 remake now, so I don't know how it would make sense to, to redo the whole first game, get Pedro and Bella re, uh, mo-capped and have them, you know, act out the scenes for the 10 episodes of the first season of the, the show. I don't know how that would all work out. So that, that's the one thing I don't think is going to happen, but I do think it'll be called, uh, director's cut so that's just something i wanted to bring up from um our discussion a few weeks ago uh, let's move on from that uh but yes i think director's cut will be more of a thing i don't think it will just be with the last of Us. i think you'll see it with other games uh i think you'll probably end up with like a god of war director's cut or something like that um or they'll probably do like the uncharted collection for ps5 they'll call that director's cut or something because uh, it, it does mainly seem to be playstation doing it and nobody else so we shall we shall see um let's move on from that talk about uh this chinese stuff um so the chinese um tech giant called tencent uh is planning to buy uh it says here developer sumo um now i did i did listen to sacred symbols today and colin said it was um uh crytek so i'm not sure if those two companies are, like related or whatever i'm just kind of taking the information that i've heard and read and bringing it here 
nonetheless, uh, it says China's um, Tencent agrees to buy UK video games from, sorry, firm Sumo for more than 900 uh, million, it says pounds, of course, because they're, they're a UK uh, thing. Uh, and then there was then then there was something added that the White House is going to like review this um, Chinese takeover or whatever. So, I mean, for me, in terms of China and their involvement with media, um, I mean, China's to, to to me at least from my knowledge and that sort of thing, one of the worst countries in the world, um, along along with some other countries as well. But they're probably one of the worst in the world, um, especially with the way they treat animals and they treat people and just all sorts of other things. Uh, so I don't really want them involved in anything. Now, they're probably more involved with things than I already sort of realise. Uh, but the only thing I really want from China is, I suppose, their box office money, really, just to keep, you know, films, the, the film industry healthy. Because the Chinese market is quite a big one for, like, uh, box office and films and stuff. Because so, even though that money isn't going to me, it helps keep a part of the industry alive that I care about. So that's kind of all I really want from, from China, I suppose. Um but uh, what do you make of this uh, Chinese activity, I suppose, the Tencent? Uh, I mean, there's so, so much I could say that I'm not going to. So I'll just keep it to the stuff that's not going to get me fuming to the point where I want to punch my hand through a wall. Mm-hmm. Um, so to say that Tencent has involvement in video games is like saying water's wet and fire is hot. Yeah. They own yeah. Uh, 31 gaming companies and have investments in others, uh, such as Ubisoft, Activision, Blizzard, and Epic. Um, trying to find the full list of games they have. Hmm. Uh, minor Minority stake in Platinum Games, acquisition of Funcom, uh, acquisition of Roblox, uh, uh just a ton of them. Uh, TI Games, APG, Dream Games, Shadow Moon, Capstone, Giraffe. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Mm. Uh, so this, they had already had a, a stake in Sumo Group. Um, they're just upping their percentage to basically take control of it. Okay. Um, yeah. For As for your opinion, I completely agree with you on that. Uh, the thing to remember is, is that there is no such thing as a private company in China. Companies only exist at the whim of the governing body. Mm-hmm. So the governing body can just pretty much go in at any point and say, mine, and it's there, and say, do this, and they do it. And you see a lot of that influence over here in the States in various things, to which I don't want to get down to because that will lead me into a five-hour rant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we're talking about China, so there's uh, a lot to be angry about, I suppose. Um but because uh, yeah, I was listening to Sacred Symbols uh, this afternoon, and Colin was sort of—I I agree with what Colin was saying as well, um, which is that we need to. This needs to be addressed by more outlets, which I also agree with, because from outlets like I don't know IGN, Kotaku, Gamespot, you know, all the, all the sorts of normal uh, games media outlets, they don't really talk about it that much. To the point where I've kind of forgotten—I had myself kind of forgotten China's involvement in games just it, it is a little bit more background like in the background i suppose but it's to, it, it's from so from what you've said and from what i've read elsewhere it's is it like that they've brought a lot of stakes in companies and things and they're sort of trying to control things that way is that kind of the deal in in parts there, there's so much to unpack from it 
and so much that that's like you know have you ever heard the phrase you know going down the rabbit hole mm-hmm. um for that that is a rabbit hole that's inside a rabbit hole that's inside a rabbit hole that's an inside a rabbit hole that's inside a rabbit hole mm-hmm. um yeah yeah but uh, yeah that's basically the way that colin was describing it is they've kind of uh what's the phrase i would use got their dirty hands in a few too many pies so to speak so um but yeah it probably does need to be covered more mainstream um but again, well i can i can 100 percent guarantee you it's not going to be covered by kotaku because that site is no. just trash yeah it's, um, it's bad I honestly don't know who would actually cover it just because so many, and I'm using the term very loosely here, gaming websites have so little to do with gaming anymore. It's not even funny. Mm. Um, it's just anger and rants and bitching at each other. Um, outside yeah. of that, I, I mean, there are places that cover stuff related to China, but they're more on the politics side than the gaming side. But they do really cover it. Um, once we're done recording, I can give you a website to go to 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 read more stories about influence mm-hmm. outside yeah. of the gaming sphere. But it's just going to piss you off even more. Yeah, yeah. I suppose that's one of the issues here is w- once this would get into like mainstream media, which it probably wouldn't, but let's just say, for it, example, it would. The it would it would become more about politics and it would about games anyway so the conversation would just change in a way which i know the politics are somewhat relevant here but it's also about okay what are they actually involved with it's the the, these game companies so that needs to be a point of the discussion but it wouldn't be so yeah uh, just just because of the way that politics is in uh, in this day and age. So, uh, but I thought I'd bring it up. We we haven't really talked about it too much on here anyway. So I thought I would uh, talk about that. So, um, talk about that. Uh, got one other. Th- I did have two other things written down, but you've got more information on the the Steam Deck thing. So let's go to the other thing that I've got. Uh, Netflix uh, video games. This is, this is something a bit more uh, a bit more positive that has got a certain amount of caution around it. But I am uh, positively optimistic, I suppose. Uh, sorry, cautiously optimistic is the is the right phrase to use, isn't it? Um, so there was uh, a news article, also you know, a couple of those that came out last week that said Netflix is interested in basically entering the gaming. Um, competition and stuff uh or the gaming sphere and everything and getting into video games um it wasn't quite clear in what way or what platform they would do it on uh there was also a lot of articles that came out that said playstation might have some sort of deal going on potentially with netflix which would make a certain amount of sense uh some people tried to put two and two together and didn't come up with four and then they said that Netflix games would be part of like PlayStation Now, which I don't know where that actually came from, but that was part of the discussion as well. Uh, in my eyes, in my opinion, um, if as as long as this doesn't involve another Stadia, where it's like okay, stream the Stranger Things video game or the um, uh, what what's another Netflix original? Um, which well they couldn't do Witcher. Yeah, um, they've already got a Witcher series. I'm trying to think of that um British um oh god, what's it called? I'll just say House of Cards instead. I've forgotten about the, the British one with the Queens and everything. Why have I forgotten? The Queen's Gambit? No, no. The one the one that's got like a rotating cast every couple of seasons. 
Uh, the Crown. I don't know. Why couldn't the I crown. think of what that was called? Um, yeah, or, or like, hey, stream The Crown, the video game, or, you know, Bojack Horseman, the video game. Because we don't know where this would... Because Netflix doesn't have, you know, a console. I suppose in a way they could become a third party and have it to where, you know, we got a Stranger Things video game that you can play on PS4, 5, and Xbox One, or whatever. Uh, the thing that excites me and interests me about this is... If you were to say to me, okay, think of Netflix IP, so things like Stranger Things, The Crown, Bojack Horseman, I'm currently watching uh, Warrior Nun at the moment, which is very good. Um, Some of those shows that are a bit more action-packed, so something like Stranger Things or um, Warrior Nun, if I was to get games like that from those IP, I would be quite happy about that, as long as it's, you know, treated right and it's actually a good video game and stuff. Um, that's something that interests me quite a bit, and it's just going to depend on how this gets distributed. Because the, the, the working theory, and I don't know why this completely came up, which was that they would make a deal with PlayStation so that Netflix starts making video games, and they end up on PlayStation Now, which would mean that you'd stream them, which is not what I would want. Um... I don't know, it's it's an idea that interests me more than something like... C- c- the problem when you have something like Stadia or something like... Um, I know this is more TV, but something like BritBox. When you have something that's more an original platform... Like, Google doesn't really own any sort of IP in the way that, like, a Netflix or a PlayStation or somebody like that, like that does. Where they've got... Okay, we've got these different properties and we could make games based off of them... As opposed to when you're somebody like Stadia and, okay, you don't have any properties or any names attached to you apart from, like, Google Hangouts and, I mean, they're not properties, they're just, they're programs and stuff, things like Google AdSense. It's where, for me, it's where somebody like Google Stadia would say, okay, let's come up with some original IP and then they have to brainstorm a bunch of ideas. Netflix wouldn't have to do that. They would be able to make games off of established IP that people already know and people already care about. So that, so for, just to me, they're already one step ahead of somebody like Stadia because they've already got the ideas in place that they could use. Uh, but what what do you what do you kind of think of all this? Would you be excited to play Netflix games and how would you like to see it sort of distributed? I, I think... I would definitely tech level because they definitely have streaming down they've been doing that for a very long time mm. i vividly remember when netflix first started doing streaming back in 2008 and i tried to do it on my then xbox 360 and the bit rate and the latency was so bad it was only showing one quarter scale oh. at a very low resolution and now you're getting full uhd streaming so mm-hmm. the streaming part They've definitely got down. Now, obviously, the interactive part of that streaming is a whole other ball, ball game. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like driving an Astra diesel versus driving a Ferrari. Um, <laughs> technically, you're still driving, but it's a big difference. Um, I don't see them partnering with PlayStation just in the sense that they want too much control of stuff uh, to really mm. do that. Yeah. Because when you think about it, they're losing all their controls with some of their properties. All the Marvel stuff for the... Some of them really, really good. Some of them not so much. <laughs> uh, Netflix original Marvel shows, those, all those IPs and all that property. And more specifically, all the actors connected to that property 
are reverting back to Marvel proper. Um, over here in the States, a lot of the uh, CBS or I'm sorry, NBC or you would probably know it better as Peacock yeah. properties yeah. like The Office, Parks and Rec, places like that. That's eventually going away off of Netflix. Um, they could do it. It's going to be one of those things that they're going to have to throw so much money just to get to a base level of possibly doing an alpha test. I don't know that they're going to say this is going to be worth it in the long run. Mm. So you got somebody like Microsoft, somebody like Sony, they've had decades, plural, in the gaming hardware, so that's already established. Microsoft knows what it's doing in terms of tech. Um, They've proven that with making sure that for Game Pass, it's a download to play the game so you don't have to stream. Mm. They've been beta testing xCloud forever, and there's what, like five, six years, and they're just now starting to get results of it. Mm. So I just can't imagine too many execs at Amazon, at uh, uh, Netflix saying, okay, we're going to spend $100 million in the next five years, and maybe we'll be able to do our first alpha test. Mm. Yeah. I don't see how they're going to get the return on that, assuming those numbers. I mean, I just pulled those numbers out of thin air. But you, whatever the number in, is going to be in terms of money, you know it's not going to be cheap. Yeah, it's not going to be even remotely cheap. Yeah, definitely. So, but the the distribution method to me that makes sense is they develop the games in house, keep the licenses to the IP, and then just do the third party thing, which is where you put the games on PlayStation, Xbox, Switch, and all that, and like PC, presumably whatever. Um, but they still keep the creative control of everything because you can't like. You know, when you load up Netflix and do whatever, unless you're loading Netflix on a console, uh, the majority—I pretty much guarantee—the majority of people that watch Netflix, like on their TVs and stuff, are probably using a TV remote. And some of them probably don't play games. Not all of them, but some of them probably don't play games and stuff. And they wouldn't have like an Xbox or PlayStation controller laying around. And you couldn't play a Stranger Things video game with a TV remote. Uh, unless it was choice driven but then you'd end up just doing like a telltale kind of thing so um the the only other way it would work through like a console is okay if i go and boot up my xbox or my playstation with a controller and then you know i'm selecting my profile and stuff with the controller and then go over to the games or something and then like download a game that way and play it maybe i'm just thinking that there would have to be some other way to where you, it wasn't tied to you using Netflix games on the subscription service to, to where you could download it on a console and use it with a controller or a PC or something. So, yeah, uh, that reminds me. The Net- that reminds me. The Netflix app isn't even on Twitch, is it? So, I don't think it is. But then again, it can't really even do HD, much less uh, yeah. UHD. Yeah, I think they've got the Hulu app in the US, and then they've got the YouTube app, and and that's basically it. So, which is strange for a tablet type device where that stuff works pretty well. So, um, but yeah, that's how I think that should probably work. But the, like I said, the bit that excites me is thinking of like all the great Netflix shows that I've seen and like seeing them turned into games and stuff, which I think would be quite cool. And they've already got them, the IP sitting there waiting. It's just a case of making the games and seeing how they distribute them. So, which makes me think a little bit about, um, the Amazon, um, video game 
department and stuff where okay you've got things like Jack Ryan and the boys and all these other really cool shows like I'd, I'd play a Jack Ryan game I'd play a game based off of like the boys or whatever um and they actually have a game development studio that just has kind of crumbled because they haven't been able to properly get anything out uh that that, that could work in in the same way I suppose um, the Jack yeah. Ryan in theory, but the problem with that is, is that you ha- you couldn't go with uh, any of the actors who have played him. I mean, you're not going to get John Krasinski. You're sure as hell not going to get Tom Cruise. Uh, you're probably not going to get current state Alec Baldwin. So they'd have to DH him to back to hunt for Red October. Um, and most actors are notorious for not allowing their likeness added to a video game. Mm. Uh, the most recent one being obviously the Avengers game. Um, yeah. I mean, in theory, it could work. It would just be you would have to find a, a a some model actor for the main character that somebody could accept, and that would be a, a tough get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we shall see. Uh, but that's all the news I had, apart from this Steam Deck thing, which I guess we can move on to that. You've got some more information that I do. So what do you want to talk about with Steam Deck? Uh, well, I've been going over the specs and some of it. There are some things that I do like. Uh, there are some things that I don't really think will work, and there's some things that I don't like. The first thing I do like is that the 7-inch screen is a touchscreen, so that's going to need eliminate a lot of the uh, bouncing around the virtual keyboard, you know, misspelling every other word, trying to search for something. I think that definitely has potential. Yeah. Yeah. Um, underneath both thumbsticks, they have trackpads, which that I obviously we haven't had hands on, so I can't really play. I can't really say for certain, but I got to figure there's going to be a lot of inadvertent cursor movement from accidental touchings on things like that. Mm. Um, they have a built-in gyro, which will tilt the game around off of like motion sensor, which I don't know how well that's going to work. Uh, going over the hardware specs, uh, there is some decent power to it. It's got an AMD Zen 2 uh, 4-core processor. Um, it's got uh, 8 GPU RAM for the graphics, uh, 16 RAM for the, the main system itself. Really, the biggest problem is, is that when they're rating the, the CPU and the GPU, um, they're capping their ratings at 32 frames a second. So on some of the newer games, I don't know how well that's going to work. Um, as I mentioned, it's a 7-inch screen. Uh, only refreshes the tops out at 60 hertz, which 32 frames per second is not bad. It's not awesome, but it's not bad. Uh, built-in Bluetooth 5.0, built-in uh, dual-band Wi-Fi 2.4 and 5 gigahertz. So they're trying to keep at least the, the wireless component and the connectivity components up-to-date modern. Uh, dual microphone array, so it's got a built-in microphone. Uh, 45-watt USB uh, Type-C power charging with a 40-watt-hour battery, which they say two to eight hours of gameplay. Obviously, it's going to depend on the game. Uh, micro SD for expansion, so they're not, thankfully, doing the Sony thing of, hey, let's make all our memory sticks proprietary and five times the cost. Um, it does have a docking station for Ethernet, uh, H- HDMI output 2.0, uh, display port 1.4 uh, so there is I mean tech wise it's not terrible uh, hardware features 
Well, it's got some hit or miss. Uh, the thing that they did talk about, which was in a separate interview for a, sec- a separate article, is the inevitable question of uh, drift. And according to Valve's main hardware engineer, whose name I am not even going to try to pronounce because I don't want to brutalize it bat- that bad, says, we've done a ton of testing on reliability. I think we feel this will perform very well, and I think people will be super happy with it. I think that's going to be a great buy. I mean, obviously, every part will fail at some point, but we think people would be very satisfied for very long on the stick drift. Um, he says, uh, I'm sure our customers don't want to take a risk on that. Um, obviously, with uh, Nintendo and that lawsuit, that's a big thing, mm-hmm. so we'll just have to see. It's one of those things you're, they can say anything they want because they can test internally to any point. But until it gets to that mass manufacturing process, you're never really gonna know. Um, so I hadn't had a, I, I I'd seen pictures of this online, obviously when this news came out. I hadn't given this thing a proper look, so I was doing that. Like I looked up an image on Google. I was, I was doing that as he was reading out everything there. Uh, I think the design of this thing is awful. Um, and I never thought I'd say this, but looking, obviously I, I haven't held this thing, I haven't played games with it, so I can't speak to it on, on that front. Uh, l- looking at just the way, like all the tech stuff aside for a second, the way that they've got the buttons designed on this thing and the analog sticks, I never thought I'd say this, but just looking at this at the moment, I'd rather use a Joy-Con, because... Actually, like... it's so bad I'd rather use an N64 controller. <laughs> Is that the one with the analog stick in the middle? Is that the one? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I only use that once or twice for for something. But um, I what I don't understand because Colin was also talking about this on uh, Sacred Symbols, and I hadn't seen a picture of it even then, so I was just kind of going off of what he said. Why would you have the analog sticks on the left side of? Because it's got Y, X, B, and A for this. Why would you have them next to it laid out like that? That looks very, very awkward. Um, yeah, like it's not so bad the other side with the the with the D pad because you won't use the D pad that much with certain games. But just just looking at this now, I can already tell like okay, I would move that all that stuff down. Like I'd move it nearer the bottom. Um, did, did you say what size this actual thing was? Because I'm looking uh... at this and thinking, how am I going to get my like hand around it? Yeah, let me pull that back up real quick because it gave the dimensions mm-hmm. in metrics, so you probably have a better understanding than I do. Uh, the physical size is 117 millimeters by 29 millimeters by 50 and a half millimeters, with the approximate weight being 120 grams. Hmm. I'm just wondering if this is bigger or. Smaller. Oh wait, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Oh. That's that's the docking station. Oh, okay. It's way bigger than that. The official size is 298 millimeters by 117 millimeters by 49 millimeters, approximately 670 grams. Hmm. It's just, yeah, looking at this, this doesn't look comfortable to hold either. It It's definitely a chonky boy, that's for sure. Yeah. Because I'm thinking, like, if I've got my, it's called a marriage finger, isn't it? And then your little finger. You have those wrapped around to hold it, and then you mainly use your middle finger your thumb and then your other finger to press buttons i mean that's how i hold a controller i I know some people use their normal finger for 
uh, like triggers and bumpers, I tend to put my middle finger there as well, just so I have my middle finger. So my middle finger goes on where like RT or R2 normally is for for those controllers. Um, just so I've got just so I've got all four of those bumpers and triggers covered with uh, fingers and stuff. But yeah, this looks very very awkward. I, I mean, you know, as we've said, we don't have this thing in front of us. We're not holding it. We've never used it before. Um, but yeah. Like, because at, le at least with the Switch Joy-Cons, the buttons are in a relatively normal position. I mean, they're a bit too close to each other, but, like, the pos the positioning of the analog sticks is something very important. And you don't want them, like, the analog sticks, for those of you that maybe haven't seen this as well, maybe, like, are, like on the go or whatever, listen to this. The analog sticks are basically at the top of the screen, aren't they? Um, mm -hmm. So... <laughs> Uh, yeah, I can't imagine. I don't know. That's that's very strange. So, um, but do you think because you've got obviously different size hands to me, do you think you'd be able to hold this and play games with it properly? Possibly, but again, if you pull up the image on the Steam Deck website, those trackpads are dead below the analog sticks. Oh, was that? So a I gotta. That's a trackpad. Yeah, that little square that is a, that is the trackpad. Okay, yeah, you. I got a feeling I'm gonna be bumping that with the meaty yeah, part of my thumb you're gonna a accidentally lot. Be, you're gonna accidentally be touching that then. Yeah, so. um, a lot, a lot, a lot. So, hmm. Because at least with the P, I know it's different with the PS4 because where the PS4 trackpad would be, that's in the middle, which is where the screen would be on this. So you can't put it there. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't even know, like, I'm looking at this and thinking where I would move certain things. I don't even know where I'd, I guess I'd put them closer to the top and then just move the analog, you've got to move those analog sticks down. Like, you can't have them that high up, that's that's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, but it, even, like, whether it's with, like, the lower part of your thumb or part of, like, your palm, you, you're going to touch that touchpad and click on something that you don't want and... I don't know. You'll jump. You'll end up jumping off a ledge in a game or whatever. So I don't know. Um, but yeah, that's that. How much does this thing cost? It's like four hundred bucks US. There, okay. I mean, there's different versions with different internal size, but I got to figure that as cheap as micro SD cards are, people are just going to get the cheap base one, and they just find a really good deal on Amazon for a card. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, at the moment, that 400, I'd either rather put that towards a new laptop or towards a PS5. Just yep. that for me. So in terms of my next two big like tech purchases, I guess, that's what I'm looking for next. So um, yep. yeah, there we go. Uh, so I guess we both agree that we don't really like the look of this thing. So, <laughs> And look, it, if, if, it, if this becomes a thing where like, oh, you can play really high spec PC games and like if it uh like the technical side of it is really good I'm I'm going to come out and say like okay but like the the layout of the controls are terrible so that's um cuz I I tell you something that I'll probably hear that will annoy me is like oh look how good these games look on this thing and then they'll be like yeah but you can't hold it or play on it properly <laughs> so I'm just just, just wait the fir the first person that says that I'm going to that's going to that's going to annoy me because you know how I feel about like praising of graphics and stuff. Which, if mm -hmm. if you like graphics, if you like pretty games, that's that's fine. But it's just not important to me. So, um, but so someone's gonna boot up like I don't know because Star Wars 
was on there, wasn't it? On like the front page. Someone's gonna boot up Star Wars and be like, "Oh, look how pretty this thing looks," and then they'll accidentally touch the um, touchpad and they'll like fall off a ledge or something. So, anyway, um, yeah. Do they have a release date for this? I didn't see that either. I think I think sometime within the next year, but I don't. I didn't see a specific date on it. Okay. Okay. So we'll see. Uh, all right. What else did you want to talk about today? Well, remember last week when we talked about um, Ubisoft making basically uh, Assassin's Creed into Fallout 76 and how mm-hmm. unbelievably idiotic we described that as? Yeah, yeah. I think I think I called it uh, jumping out the stupid plane, flying into the stupid forest, and then hitting every stupid branch on the way down to the stupid ground. I think that is what uh, you said, yeah. Yeah. Well, in a now-deleted tweet, a software engineer shared the Amazon personal games development policy for people that want to work for Amazon. And their policy makes that like the smartest decision that Ubisoft's decision look like the smartest decision any human being has ever made on the face of the planet. Um, So, and I'm not even exaggerating on that. They have an eight part policy parts one through four, perfectly reasonable, pretty much boilerplate for not even game development, just, any major corporation that you would work through five through eight on the other hand just evolve into the nine levels of hell so let's go through the the ones that are pretty much common sense Uh, rule one my personal game will not be based on conflict with disclose amazon confidential information or current or future business activities that's very reasonable Mm -hmm. yep Number two, I will not use or incorporate Amazon resources or information in the development, release, or marketing of my personal game. This includes Amazon equipment, network connections, confidential information, know-how, or facilities. Also, extremely mm-hmm. reasonable. Yep. Uh, number three, all work on my personal game will be performed outside of my regular work hours. 100% standard. Mm-hmm. Number four. Amazon is not responsible for any legal obligations or liabilities arising from my personal game. Again, exceptionally reasonable. Yep. If they had just stopped there, this wouldn't even be an issue. <laughs> so here's we get, here's where we get into the madness. Sit down, kitties. This is going to get spicy. To help Amazon improve its platforms, I will make my personal game available via Amazon wherever possible, e.g. if it's on the Amazon platform, and provide feedback on these platforms where practical. The extent to which Amazon distributes my personal game through its platform remains within Amazon's sole discretion. So you make the game, they get to dictate how you sell it. Mm -hmm. It gets worse. Number six, to help Amazon improve its products and sales, I will use Amazon's publicly available products and services in the development and release of my personal game wherever possible. E.g., if I am running a service in the cloud as part of my personal game, I will use Amazon Cloud Service. If I'm using an identity broker for my personal game, I will use Amazon Cognito, etc. and provide feedback on these products and services where practical. I am responsible for the fees associated with the use of these products and services. So not only do you have to use Amazon shit, you have to pay them to use it. You don't even get a discount for being an employee. Oh. Oh, it gets worse. Number seven, 
I will own my personal game. However, Amazon will not be constrained in its development of games or incur any liabilities by allowing me to develop and release personal games. Accordingly, I hereby grant the following license to Amazon to ensure that Amazon will never be liable to me for any Amazon works on games. I grant Amazon the royalty-free, worldwide, fully paid-up, perpetual, transferable license to any and all of my intellectual property rights associated with the personal game and my personal game development. So if your game catches on, they can merchandise the shit out of it, sell it on Amazon, and they get all the money. Mm. And finally, the cherry on top of this shit sandwich. Number eight. This agreement provides me with the opportunity for personal development and creative expression and not a means for competing with Amazon Game Studios or operating a meaningful commercial endeavor. As such, under this agreement, I may collaborate on personal games only with other Amazon employees who are eligible under this policy and who have accepted this terms of service or with minor dependents in my household. I will not work on personal games with anyone else. So they are completely restricting you out of any future game development market under this policy. Wow. Like, I I avoid hating on companies, but this just sent me into a rage. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I think there's one word to describe. Well, there's a few words to describe that. Most of them are profanities. And you got to remember, I grew up in a house full of truckers and sailors, so I can string together profanities like nobody's business. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This I'll... is just mental, beyond mental. Mm. I was going to say restrictive or restricted is uh, a big word to describe that. Um, it's interesting, because as you're reading... What, barking some... is the slang in the UK? In the UK? Mm, barking. Bar- isn't that barking mad? Isn't that a UK slang for insanity? Or oh, am I b- thinking b- of something Barking else? mad is, yeah. What one of them, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, it, it's interesting as you were kind of going through those and like a few thoughts were coming up as like okay, kind of around like you know restriction of IP basically and like hey we're gonna merchandise your games, um and all that sort of thing and it's interesting when we because we just talked about what, what was that half an hour ago about all the uh, uh, IP stuff with Amazon and Netflix and if they make mm-hmm. games. And like like what you were saying with the Marvel Netflix shows and how those reverted back to Marvel, um, that's one of the uh, sticky situations you can get into in when you're making media. Basically, is okay. Who actually owns the rights to this thing? Who can actually make games for this thing? Who can do stuff with this thing? And uh, kind of leans into the whole, uh, you know, Metal Gear Silent Hill thing, which is nobody can make games from those IP unless Konami gives the green light pretty much yeah um, which again massively restricts the, and, and things like Castlevania as well uh, and Pez I suppose as well um, which massively restricts those franchises because we've barely seen anything from them in the last five six or so years um, and when you when you get into things like that when it comes to restrict you know create not only creative restrictions because obviously they uh, gave Kojima some restrictions with Metal Gear Solid 5 um it gets into just you know being restricted with the restricted with IP not just in a creative sense <clears throat> but in a sort of who's allowed to do what kind of thing 
and this digs into that in a very very bad way so yeah yeah like i said if you were going to work at any video game company and you went to your boss and wanted to ask about making your own game on the side and they handed you one through four every single person would sign that without a blank because those are all very common sense yeah um ideas you know make sure the company's not liable do this on your own time you're not taken away from your own job all those are completely reasonable and if they had just stopped there it's like please stop no <laughs> they they just hopped on the crazy train and threw it over the crazy cliff and into the crazy canyon and it exploded in a giant ball of fire mm. yeah um i think there was a plot point in can't remember which season of silicon valley um where Rich, I think it was Richard, the name of the main character, was trying to continue development on Pied Piper. And there was this like thing that came up in an episode about he made part of it on the premise of another company. And then that got into a whole massive like legal thing. Uh, it kind of reminded me of that as well. Of like this, that Pied Piper was Richard's thing, but he mm-hmm. was getting some, like, I can't remember exactly how it resolved itself. Uh, and that wasn't in the final season. I think that was in the second to last season. Yeah, the, the closest thing that I've ever seen come to that, um, I'm I pretty much know the answer before I ask it, but I'm going to go ahead and ask it anyway. Have you ever seen the movie Office Space? Uh, no, I don't think so. I'm not surprised. It came out in the mid '90s, didn't do well in the box office, became kind of a cult hit. Um, basically, it's Ron Livingston and uh, Jennifer Aniston in it, with a few people that you might recognize. It's it's one of those movies that if you've ever worked in like a corporate office environment, you will completely relate to it. But the point for this movie was that they went to a restaurant called Shenanigans, and Shenanigans was very clearly, but not wink wink, based off of the TGI Fridays franchise, and they just kind of you know took the piss out of it. And then enough people that worked at TGI Friday corporate recognized, oh, they're making fun of us so much. That they completely rebranded, rebranded their store look, based off that movie. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, like I said, if you've ever worked in an office environment, I would recommend watching that movie. It's got enough funny things in it. You know, mm-hmm. if you're a friend of, uh, if you're a fan of Ron Livingston or Jennifer Aniston, they're not terrible in it. Um, mm-hmm. Ron's character is intentionally kind of deadpan, which is part of the plot, which I'm not going to give away, because um, even though it's a 20 year old movie. I, it's it, i want that to be a surprise it's not really a spoiler in the sense that if you've seen the movie you know it. it's just it kind of takes away from the movie if you know it in advance um but yeah ron Livingston's kind of deadpan in the movie because of plot point very early in the film but there's some funny it's a it's very memeable it's very quotable um and it's just one of those movies that you know see it it's it's pretty it's pretty decent. I would I would recommend it. Cool. Cool. Um all right, what else do you want to talk about today? Oh well the last thing I have to talk about today is a little uh, merch. If your love of Super Mario is only exceeded by your bank account, <laughs> Tag Hoyer has a new custom designed smartwatch featuring animated Super Mario watch face along with gamified fitness animations that all involve classic Mario things like Getting a mushroom when you reach a uh, a checkpoint to level up your character, uh, sounds, fitness sounds, um, Mario greeting you with the power up. Um, it's a it, in terms of watches, it's a very nice looking watch. I mean, it is a tag for your watch, so it's not going to look like crap. 
I just don't know if I can spend twenty one hundred dollars on a watch. No, no, not really. No. Anytime, anytime, you know, watches like expensive watches comes up. It's one of those things that I wish that my brain would work. Because I remember a comedian that I used to watch back in the eighties, and he would his whole shtick was that he was the director of common sense, and he was like pointing out very stupid things. And he had always had a line to where somebody was bragging, it's like, oh, I just spent $10,000 on this watch. And he said, if you can spend $10,000 on a watch, you can afford to be late. Um, and I wish to hell I could, I could remember what his name was. Because yeah. every time I think of that quote, I can picture his face perfectly, and I cannot for the life of me remember what that guy's name is. And the problem is, is that back then, before there was like social media, any kind of like internet as we know it, things like that, comedians stole each other's jokes all the time. It's very common. Mm-hmm. So I can't even really do a good image uh, Google search on that quote because it points to like five different people and none of them are the person that I know it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've brought two, I say spe- you know, special type of watches before. Uh, I brought one that was a PlayStation 1. Uh, I did go to look for it the other day to put it on, but I actually can't find it, which is annoying. Um, the other one that I brought, uh, and it had... Um, did it make a PlayStation noise? I can't even remember now. Um, it did something that was pretty cool. Again, if I find it one day, I'll remember what the functionality of it was. Uh, it didn't like connect to my phone or anything. It was just a cool PlayStation thing. And the, the face of the watch was the top of a PS1 so it had like the disc tray and stuff and all that you couldn't like press anything and open it but it had um, like the eject and power button were to I think it was to turn the watch on off and to like change time and stuff as well so that uh, was kind of cool the other one that I brought before was I think it was a Bluetooth watch or something like that and it connected to my phone it wasn't like an Apple watch or whatever where it could like do certain things um, but I could do things like go into contacts and make calls. I could like switch alarms off or set timers, you know, that kind of basic stuff. Uh, I think I could use Siri. I think if I like held a button down or something, I could use Siri. I can't remember. Um, I wore that for like two weeks and then just sort of stopped <laughs> for whatever reason. Um, and then the the PlayStation One, I do want to find and use again actually. But th- those are the two only. I mean, I don't wear a watch anyway. If I want to know the time. I've got so many devices around me. I mean, in front of me already, I've got my laptop, and then I've got my phone, and then you know, in 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 the bedroom, in my bedroom, I've got um still the phone anyway. Because uh, let's face it, phones are kind of like part of us now. Uh, in like we carry them everywhere. We do so many things with them. They're almost kind of a part of us. Uh, but I can check on you know my Xbox or my PlayStation or my Freeview box, which is in front of me, and that's got the time on it, so I can just look at that. Um, so no, I've never, I've never particularly need, I know some people like, hey, I've got a gold Rolex or whatever, and it's like, okay, that's, that's cool, but it doesn't really mean anything to me, so, um, but, uh, yeah, the watch you said about sounds kind of cool, I know you can get certain themed ones and everything, uh, with different things, but, yeah, how about you, what do you kind of have in that? I mean, I have a Fitbit that I bought that was on sale, um, it's pretty cool as a smart watch, I love the concept of the smart watch. I just ain't paying twenty one hundred bucks for it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, is like anything particular that it kind of does in a lot? I mean, it's, it's a full animated face, so you get a very 
you know, expressive, bouncing around, jumping around, eating mushrooms kind of Mario look. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, tag for your watch, so it's not like it's, it looks like a cheap piece of crap. It's, you know, visually, it's very good looking. It's just, I mean, that's a lot of money for your love of Mario. Yeah, it is indeed. So, uh, cool, you said they said that was the last thing you had? Yeah, that's the last one I have. Cool. Alright, let's get in some emails, some feedback and whatnot. If you'd like to send in your thoughts, feelings, questions, comments, either about anything we've discussed or anything that you want to discuss related to um, video games or entertainment talk, uh, talk.org, Twitter, eTalk UK, there's a contact page and information in your show notes. Uh, Harrison says, it was interesting hearing Matt go off on the Paul Brothers, that was a couple of weeks ago I think. Uh, I've never heard him talk like that before. You didn't do anything wrong. I guess it was just a rare occasion. Uh, I mean, one of my kind of, not really goals, but just kind of standards of entertainment talk is to always be honest. Uh, you know, if I'm coming on the platform or you know doing a podcast and I'm expressing, usually expressing my opinion about something, whether it's more discussion-based or review-based... Um, What's the point in me saying, okay, this is how I feel about something if it's not? Because if you click on the piece of content and then you press play, you'd expect me to hear about what I actually feel about a particular like person or product or scene or game or uh, whatever it is. So um, if, even if I was to turn around and say, like, hey, they're not great people, that's still not the truth. I think they're terrible people and I hate both of them. Um, so... Yeah, but uh, it was a rare occasion. We probably won't have much reason to bring them up in the past. And uh, so, I mean, I was the one that, because you were the one that sort of talked about uh, something. I think it was with bitcoins or whatever, and some sort of yeah. scam and stuff. And it was then a I, bitcoin I, scam with Phase Clan. Yeah, and then I kind of brought up just sort of the the teenage, young adult social media era that we're in, um, and as a result, thought about the two Paul brothers, and then just brought them up that way. So. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, they're involved in that type of content. Not with Bitcoin or whatever necessarily, but that sort of young, reckless internet content, I suppose. Um, actually, I don't know how they how old they both are, but I don't know. Actually, I think care. one of the Paul brothers is involved in some kind of Bitcoin. Is he? Oh, I've never, I've never heard, I've not heard specifically about that. So that's why I brought up the uh, other things. So, um, I mean, I say young, I don't know how old they both are, but I also don't massively care so um i think one of them's maybe older than me or something but again it uh, it is what it is so um what was that like for you to hear i guess me kind of going i mean i didn't go into a massive shouty rant and get angry i just i don't really do that uh, it's just more me expressing my disappointment i suppose uh, everybody's got their buttons and we uh, found one of yours <laughs> yeah i guess you did um, even, I mean, I've said this on the May United podcast before, even if we have a terrible, awful game where we've played really bad football, I just don't really, I'm not really somebody who's going to turn the microphone on and start yelling and shouting and ranting. I mean, sometimes that content can be kind of interesting if it's done right, but I just don't really do that. When it comes to things I'm upset, or not really even upset about, or annoyed or disappointed about, I more just bring the disappointment emotion to the table even in outside of my opinions on things even in real world situations i don't tend to really get angry um i mean sure i got like a slight bit of anger in me i suppose but i i guess i tend to just transfer that into disappointment 
Um, so that's kind. Of, that's just kind of how I work, I, I suppose. So, how about you? Do you tend Do you tend to get angry about anything particularly? I mean, I know there's things we've sort of discussed here and there, but yeah, I mean, you're not alive if something doesn't make you angry, or you're just yeah. so medicated up that you just don't feel anything. Uh, there's a ton of stuff that I get more frustrated than angry about. Um, and it mostly involves stupid people saying stupid things or doing stupid things. Mm-hmm. And that's if if I'm angry about it, then it's something serious because I'm very much a live your own life kind of a thing. I, honestly, the only thing that really honks me off is hypocrites. It's like, do yeah. you do whatever yeah. you want to do, but just don't live your life in style X and then get mad when you can't do style y because x and y are polar opposites of each other Mm. yeah yeah i get what you mean so uh beth says uh as robert is playing the yakuza like a dragon games are you into trying the yakuza games uh because are are they spin-offs of each other or how how does that i don't really know how (sighs) how does that work my understanding is that they're not super closely related okay. um, because there's like the main numbered ones. I think those are more part of the series. And then there's like Yakuza Zero and Kawaii. Um, the one that I'm in, if there's characters from other games, I didn't catch it. Um, but then again, this is the first one I've ever played and I'm only playing it because it's the newest one. Mm-hmm. Um, it. I it's one of those things that I have to do a little research and find out how grindy it is because mm. if they're all this grindy when you get to the boss um I'm probably not and sadly that seems to be a kind of a staple of JRPGs mm. uh about a year or so ago when we were talking about my playthrough of uh Final Fantasy 11 I got to the main boss and could have beaten and had to spend a good 7 hours of random battles just to get a level up to beat the final boss and then to find out there's a whole nother story past that to get the real ending, you, I was just like, nope, done. You sure, you sure it was Final Fantasy? It was, oh, I'm sorry, Dragon Quest Eleven. Yeah. sorry. Because you, you just don't really mention Final Fantasy, so I was like, what were you on about? Yeah, no, it was, it was Dragon Quest Eleven. Dragon Quest, yeah. That was, Colin played that as well, didn't he? And he said about, yeah. like, is it that, like, you go get, get to the end and then you, like, put that to the start or something? Um... It's something it gets really kind weird. of spoilery in the plot, so I don't really want to talk about it a lot. Let's just say you beat the final boss, and then you have to do a whole bunch of other stuff. That's okay. not like mopping up side quests. There's a there's a main quest after you beat the final boss. That's all I'll say. Hmm. Okay. Um, for me, I'm just Judgment looks interesting to me, and that's I think from the same development team. So it just looks a little bit more grounded. Um, I could be wrong about that, but it just looks that way. So I'm curious to check that out. So that's kind of where I'm at with uh, with those games. Um, uh, lastly, Carl says, new here, been meaning to write in. You're very welcome. Uh, Matt recently went back to Cyberpunk and still wasn't impressed. How would you review the game? Can't remember if Robert went back. I'll talk about my answer second. Uh, did you go back to it? Because I can't quite remember either. No, because I knew that until I've managed to secure my uh, Series X, that it wasn't going to run at a level that I would want to do it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to buy it twice, uh, especially with all the stuff that's been coming out lately with the CD Project Red, all the heap and praise that I 
you know lauded on them before the game came out that's that's all gone now they're at a blank slate for me at a bare minimum um so i'm not giving them any more money yeah uh, i and me buying the series x i'm gonna do that at some point if they ever get back in stock to where i can buy one mm-hmm. um just because when you go back to the pre-launch and you go to that technical video of the fast launch and how much faster those games kick through especially games that i play on on the regular that alone is justification for me buying the console and i'll probably just turn my one uh, s that i have into like a bedroom stream deck and just stream mm-hmm. all my tv shows there um so yeah and i'll probably christen it with uh cyberpunk and give it a chance and this way because i've been so far removed from my initial play that it's basically going in fresh and i'll just i'll judge it on there because uh, you know obviously i'll have to install it do all the updates, do all the patches. So it's not going to be a fast process if and when I ever get uh, my Xbox Series X. But I'll, I'm going to give it a fair chance. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be going in blank, so it's just a matter of you know, whether or not I like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But re- the reason why I haven't gone it is because of what you're going to talk about with your experience on it. Yeah, I've essentially looked at this, and I've, I've watched a good few videos on the game since that return experience. And the only way I could kind of describe, like, what would be my review is how do you review, like, a beta version of a game? Because that's kind of the state that Cyberpunk is in. Because you, like, you look at that game and you think, okay, there is a good game. I've always maintained the opinion, and I even said this back in December, January when the game came out. There is a very good game in Cyberpunk. Uh, it's not going to be quite the same game from the 2018 demo because I uh, believe I'm in agreement with what that guy on YouTube said was when like Keanu Reeves came in and it was pretty obvious that the plot significantly changed uh, like with all the choice stuff and the street kid stuff and all, all that sort of thing. But the, the the plot version of the game that we have now can still be a good one. It will be a lot more linear than what the game would have been before. But yeah it's sort of like okay if you look at what cyberpunk is now and you think this is just a beta version of what it could become because it still could be a very good game that people could enjoy um it's just i mean like if you start smoothing like really smoothing up those technical edges and just some weird some really weird ai stuff in the game and graphical glitches and all that sort of stuff and then you put in a few features that people wanted like customizable things and the subway system that isn't in the game i mean it's in the game but like it's funny with the subway system though because um uh not with the subject not with that sorry with um yeah with the subway system when because when you go to the fast travel points it's basically just click on that click on where you want to go in the map click on the thing for the map and then the game gives you a load screen when we saw the trailer back in 2017 or 18 there was cutscenes in a subway thing with you looking at the walking through the car and it's interesting if you look in the sky and there's clearly there's actually tracks you can see that there's tracks put out for that system um but there's like nothing on it it's that, that's what I mean when I say beta version, which is you can kind of see like half developed things in the game, like the subway system. Because um, like I've seen people that have done like videos and stuff on the game where they'll go, they'll climb up to that point or get up to that point, and it's like okay, there was clearly supposed to be vehicles on this thing, um, and there's just nothing on it. 
because they didn't get round to making that part because of like the shift with Keanu Reeves and none, none of that is Keanu Reeves' fault because like from perspective it was oh cool yeah being a cyberpunk you, you know your big focus of course he'll sign up for that who, who wouldn't um but the game clearly shifted its narrative and its story from that point and then all of the feature stuff with the subways and the third person cutscenes all of that just didn't have time to get developed because they had to make a new story pretty much with with the Keanu Reeves thing um I mean, if they had had time on top of that, which is where it was, okay, change the story a bit, put Johnny Silverhand in here, but still finish off, you know, okay, subway system and all this other kind of stuff, it would have turned out a lot better. Because um, as a lot of people have said, and I agree with, the game probably needs, an, like right now probably, which is almost, what, seven, eight, nine months later, um, the game probably needs another year to just get those fixes out. Um, and something else which another YouTuber that I watched today said, it's very, very clear that the PS4 and the Xbox One versions of the game really held things back. Um, and I remember discussing that myself when I when I returned to the game. So, uh, a lot of people describe it as like, can they pull off a No Man's Sky? I think that would be fantastic, but that won't be, that probably won't be this year. So, and as I've kept saying, you know, I'm going to wait for them to keep patching the game and see what they can do. Once I get a PS5, um, again probably next year, and once they've patched a lot, of, a lot more stuff in, um, then I'll give it another shot. So that's that's pretty much where I'm at with it. So how would I review it? Uh, it's it's a good game buried under underdeveloped th- things, if that's what you want to call it. Honestly, I, I think I'm... it's just to say it's it's Fallout 76. That game was an absolute train wreck when it launched. And now it's not halfway bad. I'm mm. not going to say it's a great game, but it's uh, halfway decent. So the the way I guess I'd compare those two is from day one, Fallout 76 had some question marks about okay, there was no like NPCs and it was more multiplayer focused, and that's not really what Fallout is because people are so used to the whole narrative stuff. So I would say that okay, on the technical side, Cyberpunk and Fallout 76 are almost as bad. But there's just a better idea for a game in Cyberpunk than there is with, with Fallout. So, And I know that they're different genres, but I'm just talking about the fundamental idea of what the game is. So, um, But man, when, when I look at people playing the game, I'm like, I really want to go and play a good version of this game. Because uh, I've still very, very much got the itch to do, to do that. Um, so, yeah. Uh, anyway, that's all discussion on that. Uh, I'm sure we'll get back to the game one day. we just got to... Uh, i tell you what we've got to do. Just leave CD Projekt Red alone, because people are probably still sending them all sorts of crap. Um, people are probably still sending them things like death threats and whatnot. Just leave CD Projekt Red alone. Leave them to work on what they got to work on for the game, and we'll hand the hand the courts back to them. Put the ball back in their court. Sorry, is I think the the right phrase, uh, and see what they can come up with. So, yeah. Uh, that's everything that we've got. Um, thank you very much for listening. You can find everything, everything else that we do on entertainmenttalk.org. Uh, look out for tomorrow for another Monsters at Work. That should be fun. That's been a really great series. And the season finale, season 2 podcast for Breaking Bad. Look out for that as well uh, tomorrow on Entertainment Talk. So see you for all that. Um, so entertainmenttalk.org for all that. That's TV, video games, films and Manchester United podcasts. 
Uh, if you like what you've heard today and want to support more of it, get more involved and all that sort of stuff, uh, you can either just listen to more content that we've got, either on entertainmenttalk.org or you can search for us on podcast platforms. Um, speaking of podcast pl- platforms, just a little update on the Ted Lasso stuff. Um, the podcast is submitted to iTunes and it is on there, but it's not showing up properly. I have talked to Castus about it. I haven't just left the problem alone. I have talked to Castus about it. There's basically some weird like syncing issues with uh, with the feed but it is on itunes you can go and find it because i said to the castos person can you see if you can find this feed and they did uh so it is on there if you can find it uh but i'll look to getting that sorted as soon as possible but if you can't subscribe to the american coach um ted lasso podcast feed you can still subscribe to our main itunes feed and also find the episodes on the website entertainmenttalk.org uh, the funny monsters podcast is fine i'm subscribed to it myself and that, that's all it's all good on that front so it's just the uh, the other one so there you go uh but word of mouth social media all that kind of stuff let people know what we do and where they can find it and everything else like that uh patreon one dollar three dollar level tiers for ad free podcast and review options if you'd like to get involved over there uh for tv and film news david's still posting that over on geek town geek and Geek Town Radio, those come out on Tuesdays. There's this this week's episodes available to listen to now, so you can go and check that one out as well. Uh, so for TV and film news, uh, Bex is still streaming daily pretty much over on Twitch, Trista Bytes, Trista B-Y-T-E-S. Uh, go and give her a follow over there. You can also follow me as well on Twitch, Etalk UK, for all my different streams. And if you miss the archive streams, you can find them archived later on YouTube, Entertainment Talk Plays. Speaking of YouTube, just a reminder... Look out for those Call of Duty videos, and you can see me doing all the fun stuff with that. Uh, the binding keys with uh, the keyboard and mouse. It was a, it was an interesting experience, definitely. So, thanks very much for listening, and we will see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>